0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Janice Dean. I'm Brett Bear. I'm Martha McCallum, and this is the Fox News Rundown.
2: Thursday, October 13th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. It's for Republicans to gain and Democrats to hold. We're less than a month away from midterms that will determine if one-party control in Washington, D.C. is over. And in the U.S. House, members of Congress and their opponents are fighting for every vote.
3: My prediction to you is that in the closing weeks, the one-two punch of inflation and crime is going to deliver a victory to the Republican ticket.
2: I'm Dave
0: Anthony. The U.S. is in conflict with Saudi Arabia over an oil production cut, which could cost us at the gas pump and at home. If
4: you're heating your house with heating oil, you're going to be paying double, if not more, what you were
5: paying a year ago, and and maybe even higher. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown.
2: Some races are tougher than others in these midterms and candidates in about 31 House races considered toss ups in the Fox News power rankings have just a few more weeks to make their case to voters like Ed Johnson, who lives in a town 20 miles northwest of Philadelphia in the swing state of Pennsylvania.
6: Crime, the economy, open borders, the fentanyl crisis. The government's not responding the way that I think that they should.
2: And in such a close state where election margins can be quite tight, the acting secretary of state, Lee Chapman, says people may have to wait days for results. She said during a Zoom conference this week, they can't start processing mail-in ballots until election day. We're not like Florida, unfortunately. We, we aren't going to be able to call an election the, the night of the election. So it's important that we're setting these expectations. It's not because anything nefarious is happening. But it does mean some potential nail-biting. The Fox News power rankings list Pennsylvania's Senate race as a toss-up between Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman and Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz. But there are two congressional seats listed as toss-ups as well, including District 8, currently held by Democrat Matt Cartwright. In a district former President Trump won and would likely have won as well even after redistricting.
0: Jim Bognett, he'd take us backwards. He'd take away health care for millions. Pre-existing conditions like COVID-19, they
2: won't be covered. Polling has been limited here, but the Republican Cartwright is facing, he's fought before, two years ago, and he lost to Cartwright by four points then.
3: Well, we feel fantastic.
2: Jim Bognett is the Republican House candidate in Pennsylvania's 8th District.
3: Following redistricting, this seat up here is an R plus 4 seat. We are running against a very liberal Democrat. He's voted with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. His name is Matt Cartwright. He's lied to voters here and said he's a moderate. He's voted like a progressive to send $1,200 checks to illegal immigrants for the Green New Deal agenda. Our internal polling has us up. By less than a point, Uh, it's going to be a race to the finish. We have four weeks left. We were um, very blessed yesterday to be called one of the top five bellwether races in the country by Axios. Uh, Everybody knows that if we could beat Joe Biden's lapdog, Matt Cartwright, in Joe Biden's hometown of Scranton, that will be a huge repudiation of Biden's liberal agenda. And the headlines in the paper the next day will say Joe don't know Scranton and Joe Biden's going down in 2024.
2: The seat is a toss up, as you've indicated. Um, And based on previous votes applied to the new redistricting lines, this district, even though it is home to Scranton, where President Biden was born, would still have gone for former President Trump, if I'm reading that correctly, but not by that much. You are endorsed by uh, former President Trump. I imagine that helped in the primary. But has that been less of a help now? Like, what's the vibe you get from your district about that?
3: Well, President Trump won this district, the new district, by 2.9 points. Um, The president's policies remain really, really popular here. President Trump wanted to build a border wall and actually address illegal immigration. The people of northeast Pennsylvania want that. My hometown of Hazleton has been devastated by illegal immigration and the crime and fentanyl trafficking that have followed it. Number two, President Trump wanted to stand up to China, Uh, China. Uh, has devastated our manufacturing industry here in northeast Pennsylvania. Not until President Trump came to office did we start making gains in manufacturing employment. Uh, and folks want to return to $2 gasoline and a pro-American energy approach. My opponent, Matt Cartwright, has voted for the Green New Deal, said he was totally fine with expensive gasoline. And now we have expensive gasoline. We just paid for a home heating oil here. That 200 gallons were over a thousand bucks and that is going to be devastating to working class voters here. So President Trump remains very popular and we are grateful to have his endorsement.
2: You focused in one of your ads on Northeast Pennsylvania being a place many might grow up in but end up leaving and not returning to. What do you hear from people in in this district about their concerns about, about that point you're making?
3: Well, I speak with people every day that are in their 60s and 70s, and nothing is sadder than when you talk to a grandmother. And she talks about uh, she never sees her grandkids because her son or daughter had to move away to New York or Washington, D.C. or Florida or Texas to find a good job. And people are very concerned about that. Uh, You know, this is an area that's lagged economically. Matt Cartwright, my opponent, has been in office for 10 years. And over those 10 years, we've lost jobs. Uh, We've had some real challenges here in northeast Pennsylvania. And I want to have an economy and voters want to have an economy where the young people can stay. And that's why we're focused so heavily on economic growth, making this inflation go away that Joe Biden and Matt Cartwright have caused. I'm running for Congress to try to jumpstart this economy, beat back the Biden tax increases, beat back the Biden cartwright inflation and make this an area where folks can live and grow and carry on.
2: Let's zoom out for a minute from your district, because the whole state, really, that you're in is a big focal point. These midterms, Um, District 7, the open 17th, but also that Senate race. Uh, The Democrat there, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, says that he will be much more recovered from his stroke by January when he would be sworn in if he won. Um, And the real clear politics average still has him ahead of the Republican, Dr. Oz. In the governor's race, too, the, the Democrat is ahead. I just want maybe your insight given that Pennsylvania historically is such a swing state, even if you're skeptical of polling, what's your sense about some of these numbers that the Democrats seem to be doing much better than Republicans in some critical races?
3: Well, I think the honest to God's truth is that these are all very tight races. This is a swing seat in a swing state. People up here are independent minded. Sometimes they vote one way. Sometimes they vote the other way. Um, But here's what I will tell you. Uh, Our polling has consistently showed us ahead, but very much within the margin of error. Uh, In recent weeks, we've seen Dr. Oz come on incredibly strong. His message about John Fetterman's radical extreme agenda, coddling of criminals. John Fetterman let criminals out of jail as the head of the parole board en masse. He said that was a priority of his. Crime is a big issue in Philly and the suburbs, and people here in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton and hazleton they don't want crime to come up here, and that's why I was delighted to be endorsed by every major law enforcement organization. Just yesterday, we announced the state troopers of Pennsylvania endorsed us. Hmm. People want a tough on crime approach up here, not a Fetterman Cartwright soft on crime approach. My prediction to you is that in the closing weeks, the one-two punch of inflation and crime is going to deliver a victory to the Republican ticket.
2: Let's talk about um, you and your career for a minute, because you worked at the U.S. Export-Import Bank under the Trump administration. Um, And I will read from the website what the goal of of this federal agency is. When private sector lenders are unable or unwilling to provide financing, the Export-Import Bank fills in the gap for American businesses by equipping them with financing tools necessary to compete for global sales. In doing so, the agency levels the playing field for U.S. goods and services going up against foreign competition in overseas markets. Now, what did you learn about trade and maybe specifically our relationship with China in that role?
3: Well, I'm so glad you asked about China. Uh, When President Trump took office, his number one directive uh, to folks like me that were lucky enough to work in the administration was to get the economy moving, bring back jobs, and make sure that China wasn't stealing our jobs. And what we tried to do was make sure that our manufacturing was not at a disadvantage to china we wanted to push in make sure american manufacturing could do better and boy in those four years president trump was in office we made some amazing gains Uh, our manufacturing came alive a lot of that had to do with getting natural gas down in price and and much bigger in supply so manufacturing companies could have a good energy source Um, but i learned about china they are rapacious they are in many ways our number one strategic competitor But it's gone more than that. They steal our intellectual property. And I believe that going up against China will be the defining foreign policy issue of the next 50 years. But it's important here in our hometowns, because they are coming after our jobs, and we must beat them.
2: Uh, On the economy front, you come now from running what you call a small business, GRB Strategies, at least that's what I see on LinkedIn. (laughs) But I understand you worked on Wall Street for a while too, right? Were you at Merrill Lynch?
3: Uh, very early in my career, I uh, my first job out of school was working there.
2: Well, it sounds like you do have a little bit of perspective working on both ends, maybe a, a big firm with lots of capital versus, you know, smaller business. What do you tell potential constituents about your insight into the economy, into inflation, given that you have, you know, varying vantage points on on, on business?
3: Well, you know, the number one vantage point that I have is – growing up in my family's construction business. My dad is a general mechanical contractor here in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. So I grew up pouring concrete and digging ditches, and I've seen uh, the struggles my dad has had since 1969 when this business was founded. And, you know, it's um, I'm doing this interview right now from uh, the office and uh, yard where my dad's construction business is out of, and I just see every day the challenges. Mm-hmm. We have materials challenges, the supply chain under Biden and Cartwright is very challenged. Uh, labor is a very challenging situation a lot of uh, older workers have chosen to retire uh, because of the COVID protocols it's been a very challenging situation and what i tell them is inflation has been caused by the biden cartwright spending they spent six trillion dollars that we didn't have they borrowed it of course that caused inflation they targeted the fossil fuel industry made it harder for Pennsylvania firms to export fossil fuel, oil, gas, uh, struck out at pipelines, got rid of the Keystone XL pipeline. They made the number one input cost, energy, go up by more than 60%. It's crazy. And now we're seeing the wages of that. We have out-of-control inflation, so uh, my career – And what I know about economic policy is you have to pay the piper someday. You can't keep borrowing and spending or else we're going to bankrupt our future and cause crazy inflation. And we are here. And now interest rates are going up because of what Biden and Cartwright and Pelosi did. And I think we're already in the Biden recession. I think it's already started and we need to turn it around, have a pro-energy policy to get this country back on track. But unfortunately, Biden and Cartwright have put us into a ditch and it's going to take us a little bit of time to get out, but the first thing we could do is elect a Republican Congress in 27 days.
2: Finally, you, you've you worked on political campaigns too. I understand you, you worked with my former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Mitt Romney, and you worked on Martha McSally's Senate campaign in Arizona. I just want briefly your thoughts about, I guess, your own journey in the Republican party, because after all of that, you ended up, you know, working with and backing former President Trump.
3: Well, I was honored to get started working uh, for my representative Lou Barletta 20 years ago when he ran for this seat, I was a volunteer for him. And he really inspired me about how a a normal small business guy can uh, walk out of anonymity, put his name on the ballot and try to make his city and his region better. And he served us here for eight years in Congress. So he really inspired me to get involved in politics. One thing I've learned is there's all sorts of people in politics. Most people have their heart in the right place. They want things to get better, but it's very easy to get off track. And I guess I'll just say i think my opponent matt cartwright's gotten off track you know he claimed to be a moderate now he votes liberal he claimed to be pro-life when he was elected now he's pro-abortion so it's very easy to get off track i think having seen it up close i know who i am i know what i believe and here's what i believe from the bottom of my heart our country is at the brink we need to turn things around and we have amazing ability. We have the ability every two years to pick our leaders. And so I would just ask people, ask your listeners uh, in 27 days to go to the polls. And if they think things are going well, maybe vote for the other side. But if they think we need a change, if they think America deserves better, if they think their family deserves better, I'd hope they'd vote for me, Jim Bognet, and other conservatives up and down the line.
2: Jim Bognett, thank you so much for joining us.
3: I appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
2: We have reached out to the Cartwright campaign and hope to speak with him in the coming days. If we do, you'll hear from him on this podcast.
6: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to
5: foxnewspodcasts.com. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. It's getting colder outside,
0: and that's about to cost us more. There's renewed concern about energy prices after OPEC-plus countries announced a plan to cut oil production. The Biden administration says it wants to be less dependent on foreign oil.
3: And that's why the president did increase the the draws from the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve.
0: And National Security Council spokesman John Kirby tells Fox. It's
3: also why the president is working so hard on clean energy solutions, because that's really the future.
0: Well, U.S. Soil and Gas Association President Tim Stewart tells Fox they are ready to help. Frankly, the administration is out of options at this particular point. The last place they can really turn to is the U.S. producers, and we are more than willing to to re-engage with them on the policy and the regulatory issues. Republican Senator Tom Cotton does not expect that to happen. Joe Biden has waged a war on American oil production.
6: If we would just produce more here, we wouldn't have to depend on anyone overseas.
0: Oil prices have been under 90 bucks a barrel much of this week. Will they surge again? I think
4: we will. And and it's amazing that prices haven't moved more at this
0: point than they already have. Phil Flynn is senior market analyst at Price Futures Group and a Fox Business contributor. The main reason is, is because the market, at
4: least in the short term, is concerned about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. They're worried about a recession, and that's all well in Fine, you know, until it gets cold outside and we have to turn our heaters on. And I think you're going to see the reality of that this winter. When you look at the inventories here in the United States and around the world, inventories are below average in every major category. And so there's still significant upside risk in prices. And I think at least in the short term, we're underpricing those risks because we're worried about what the Federal Reserve is going to do on interest rates and a strong dollar. But I think that's going to level out over time.
0: I have heard people say that what OPEC plus countries announced with the cut wasn't actually as big a cut in real terms, in real production, as what was announced at 2 million barrels per day. If that's true, explain that. What we've seen in recent months, there's a lot of OPEC countries that can't even
4: pump their quota today. You know, whether you look at Libya or Kuwait or whatever, there's a lot of countries that can't even meet their quota. So when we talk about this production cut of two million barrels, they're basically justifying what's already happening, where these guys can't make their quotas anyway, so we're going to make their quotas what it is. So in real terms, it's probably going to be somewhere closer to 800,000 barrels a day, which is a number that basically is in response to the Biden administration. Release in a while from the strategic reserve.
0: Where are we on that? It was going to be like a million barrels a day for six months, if I'm not mistaken, how much he was going to draw out of those reserves. Obviously, you can't do that forever. Is that going to end sometime in November? Yeah, it's supposed to end at the end of October. So we're getting
4: very close to the end of it. And the market is really wondering if the Biden administration is going to extend that and further draw down the reserves. And you know, the funny thing is, there wasn't really a real emergency where we needed to release that reserve. And so they really misused the inventories. They drove inventories down to the lowest levels they've been since the 1980s. And if they continue to draw oil from the reserve, the long-term viability of the reserve gets in question. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, don't worry about it. You know, we're still over 50% full on the reserve. We have a long ways to go to where we hit bottom. But... People I talk to at SPR say, yeah, we can draw down more, but the more we do that, we have to worry about the quality of the oil, we have to worry about the integrity of the salt mines. The sad thing is, when they reverse course, more than likely they're going to have to replace that oil with oil from other countries.
0: And you, you mentioned salt mines, that's where that's where these uh, reserves are held in these different places around the country. Now, I wanted to ask you, you said that there wasn't an emergency, but... When he announced this, we were dealing with gas prices that were hitting all-time highs. June we had five bucks a gallon. That's just for regulars, national average. The right. president has said, "Look, we 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 brought prices way down from there." Did drawing oil out of the reserves help bring prices down?
4: Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say his release from the oil reserve brought down gasoline prices, and it may have a little bit. Okay. But you have to look at the long-term damage that did to get some short-term relief at the gasoline pump and win some favor with the voters and be able to go on TV and say, take credit, look at I, look what I did. I lowered gasoline prices. You have to look at the flip side of the long-term damage. When you start releasing oil into the market to try to lower prices, you don't get what I call is a market response. That means a demand response. You don't get an investment response. Because usually what happens when prices start to go up, what happens is people are saying, "Oh my gosh, we got to do something to meet that demand. We need to increase refining capacity. We need to spend more money, you know, we need to drill more oil." So what happens when you stop releasing oil from the reserve, now all of a sudden you have a void and then the market goes up higher than it would have gone up in the first place if you didn't meddle in the market. Besides, if you go back to the mission statement of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, It was never meant to control prices. And I'll say it again, because the Biden administration seems to have not gotten the memo on that, right? You know, it it was meant as an emergency stopgap measure. So really, did we gain anything? No, we ended up losing. And that's what's going to come out of
0: this. You talked about going to other countries for oil. Others talk about Venezuela or or getting some oil out of that country. What about domestic production? I mean, where are we on our own oil
4: in bad shape i mean the indicators that i look at for future increases in oil production is dismal what that means in the long run is that us oil production is going to peak and it's going to fall i look at the weekly rig count rig counts are not keeping up with where the market should be and the the reason is clear the investment in the us oil industry is dangerous because of the policies by the biden administration They're telling people, don't invest in fossil fuels. They're telling banks, don't lend money to fossil fuel companies. And because of this, it is having an impact. We're seeing the lack of investment in U.S. oil and gas, and
0: and we're going to all pay for that. We're paying for it now. But, Phil, the president has said, hey, they have all these permits that they've already been given on land they're not even touching. So he's, he's going after them and saying that they're not using what we're allowing them to use that is just a statement that the Democrats have been
4: pulling out of their pocketbook for years. It's, it's a red herring. Look over here. Look at this. But people in the industry know better, right? A lot of those leases don't even have any oil on it. And and so what happens is you buy these leases in a block. Some, some have oil. Some don't. You take your chances. You drill if you can, and you, you suck it up if you can't, right? Then you take it one step further you know why might have a lease and i go to the the local government or to the epa and say give me a permit to drill and they're they're backlogging those permits the the amount of time it takes to approve a, a, a permit has quadrupled or even more than what it was under the trump administration so they're slowing down that process this is an administration that wants higher prices for oil and gas Because it's probably the only way that some of their electric cars start to look like they make sense and the investment it's going to
0: take to do that. That OPEC plus oil production cut upset President Biden, who infamously fist bumped the crown prince on a trip to Saudi Arabia over the summer. A cut could lead to a price hike. That could help fuel Russia's war machine in Ukraine. So the president told CNN's Jake Tapper Tuesday night. They're going to have to, uh, there's going to be some consequences for what they've done with Russia. He did not specify what that might be, but he suggested Congress could take action. Some lawmakers propose halting U.S. weapons sales to Saudi Arabia. What does Phil Flynn think of the Saudi situation? You got to keep in mind, this is a president
4: that came into office vowing to make our longtime ally a pariah state, right? Right he didn't like the fact that the trump administration had a good relationship with saudi arabia he didn't like the fact that when president trump tweeted that we needed more oil saudi arabia jumped you know right president trump tweeted Uh, Saudi Arabia said, how high? Right. So they had a great relationship. Now flip flop to President Biden from day one. He refused to meet with crown prince uh, bin Salman. Right.
0: Um, To be fair, though, it was was all over human rights issues and over, say, the murder of journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi and the crown prince implicated in all of that exactly
4: and i'm not saying that there shouldn't have been consequences for that there should have been but it has to be done in a diplomatic way looking at the bigger picture of the region and to be honest with you if you want to be successful in the middle east you better have a pretty good ally and you know right now our allies in the middle east are you know we're pulling away from those traditional relationships right and so if you look at the big picture you know, if you separate oil diplomacy from regular diplomacy, President Biden bungled it every step of the way.
0: Let's get to what I think a lot of people want to know the most and your view on where prices are going to go from here. Let's start with gas because it obviously goes in lockstep with where oil goes. We're almost at $4 a gallon again in the U.S. and regular on average over six bucks still in California. Are we going to get to five again, you think? In the short term, probably not. We've
4: got a little bit of an advantage because of the time of year it is. It's winter, right? I do think we'll get to four. Um, A lot's going to depend on how cold the winter is. You know, if if, right now refiners have to focus on winter fuels, it's going to come at the expense of gasoline. I think prices are going to go up. Uh, We have a lack of refining capacity. There's no room for error in the system. So that means prices are going to stay high. But to get to five, If that's going to happen, it'll probably be next summer.
0: Okay. All right. Now, with it being mid-October, where are we on heating oil first, and then we'll get to natural gas?
4: Heating oil is a major problem. Right. In this country, if you look at the inventories of diesel, other than a one off in the 90s, distillate inventories going in the winter are like the lowest level they've been almost since the 1950s. Right. This is going to be exasperated by what happens with the war in Ukraine. And and so, yeah, I I mean, the, the, you know, you're if you're heating your house with heating oil, you're going to be paying double, if not more, what you were paying a year ago and, and maybe even higher than that. Ouch.
0: That that's that's not good. Natural gas, are we in the same boat?
4: Seasonally, once we start kicking up the LNG exports to other countries, um, if we get a cold winter, prices are going to be up. Not quite as dangerously bullish as heating oil right now, but still has some significant upside risks if we get some cold weather.
0: Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Futures Group, and of course a Fox Business contributor. Always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you, buddy.
6: Meet the American who invented the motorhome, Roland R. Conklin.
1: Visionary Roland R. Conklin, born in Urbana, Illinois, put the comforts of home on wheels. He was a largely unheralded businessman, and he beat out Edison, Firestone, and Ford in the race to take America's roads. In 1915, Conklin introduced America to what's considered the first motorhome, called the Gypsy Van. Conklin led a crew of eight on a cross-country tour aboard a tricked-out Packard pickup truck, The trip took two months, a testament to the poor quality of American roads at the time. Yet the stunning vehicle had electricity, cold drinking water, incandescent lights, bath, shower, stove, pantry phonograph, bookcase, closets, and a roof deck, among other luxuries. A New York City financier and real estate mogul, Conklin, helped to fuel construction in American cities in the late 1800s. Baltimore's Roland Park neighborhood is among the areas Conklin helped develop. Today, their recreational vehicle, the RV industry, is set to produce nearly 550,000 vehicles in 2022. Meanwhile, 11.2 million households own an RV. I'm Gianna Gelosi. Go to the lifestyle section at foxnews.com to find more of these incredible American stories.
6: from the fox news podcasts network subscribe and listen to the trey gowdy podcast former federal prosecutor and four-term u.s congressman from south carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast subscribe and listen now by going to Foxnewspodcasts.com. subscribe to this podcast at Foxnewspodcasts.com.
5: it's time for
0: your fox news commentary
5: jimmy Fallon. what's on your mind So a Pennsylvania elementary school is canceling its Halloween parade because of, quote, safety and inclusivity. Scientists have a word for people who think it's a good idea. They're called morons. First and foremost, kids aren't thinking about safety and inclusivity on Halloween. They're thinking about Snickers and Milky Ways. And yes, they're thinking about their costumes because kids liked pretending to be something else way before Democrats began pretending we could all be different genders. But the school board canceled it anyway, because according to them, not every kid celebrates Halloween and they don't know if it's safe for the kids to be marching around the school parking lot, which is a fancy way of saying that some woke liberal jackass decided to kill Halloween as a way of showing the rest of their friends just how awake they were. Here's the thing. A lot of folks on the left have become cultural arsonists. They set fires in society so they can put them out and claim valor and virtue and feel like they're decent people. But deep down, the only ones benefiting from any of this crap are themselves. It's like when a San Francisco school board, they wanted to take Abraham Lincoln's name off a high school to help the black community. Hello doesn't help the black community to cancel the guy who ended slavery. And it doesn't help me either because my son is named Lincoln. But that name's gotten so controversial, now he has to go by his middle name, O.J. I kid. But I'm not kidding when I say that canceling trick-or-treating is weapons-grade stupid and does nothing to help the kids. So tell these woke bozos to defund the Halloween police. Be sure to listen to Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Falla, weekdays from noon to 3 on the Fox News app and foxacrossamerica.com.
6: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
5: Jason in the House, the
0: Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on Foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.